This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Strangers and Aliens, Episode 171, Star Wars The Force Awakens, Revisited. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. I am your father's best friend, Plumber. Superman. Wonder Woman. Heroes. Villains. Captain Picard versus Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did was that he created something, so we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Hello, and welcome to Strangers and Aliens, the podcast. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm here to talk about faith, sci-fi, fantasy, pop culture, and Christianity. And I'm not alone. No, I'm never alone. I'm joined by my friend, and maybe yours, Steve McDonald. I'm your friend. And maybe yours. No, I'm their friend. I was just telling. Oh, I thought you were talking to me, them. saying that I was. Never mind. You already uh, said I was your friend. And we're also joined by. That goes without saying. <laughs> we're also joined by. Uh, should we? Should we say it now, Steve? Should we go ahead? Let's just let's do it. Should we just throw it out there? Let's do it. Uh, we are officially, officially welcoming uh, Evan David to the third chair on Strangers. Hooray! Yeah. So there welcome, Evan. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for offering me the position. I have some big shoes to fill. Uh, I think I don't know Dr. Jace's shoe size. Yeah, he's but, pretty pretty uh, average. So yeah, as, okay. far, as far as his shoes but go. In in the in the immortal words of that other Vulcan in that movie where Spock was still there, he, Dr. Jace can't be replaced. He can only be succeeded. So, uh, Dr. Jace will still be an, an emeritus host. He'll he is definitely back. still a stranger and oh, an yeah. alien. And yeah. we are hoping to bring him back for a few episodes that we have to cover with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite honestly, we, I wouldn't feel right doing them without him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, one thing I found on strangers and aliens, I don't know what it is, but for some reason it's just nice having a third guy. Yeah. Uh, to to balance between um me and steve i don't know (laughs) 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 not that the the episodes where it's just me and steve are bad and not the episodes where i'm alone are bad although i find that the episodes when i'm alone tend to have much less uh i don't know conflict but (laughs) (laughs) i should hope so (laughs) Yeah, me and Evan will try to, you know, reinstate that and try to get that yeah. that enmity going between us, right, Evan? That's right. All yeah. right. See, we're already working on it behind the scenes. So. We can't agree on anything, right? Nope, can't do it. All right, so we're good. We're all good. 
You guys just I mean, agree, you guys I mean, just agreed on that. Yes, but... we can. We can agree. So I think we can. <laughs> no, we can't. See, we're, uh-huh. we're wink, like wink. Yeah. Nudge, nudge. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> but anyway. we're not going to. We are going to get to our conversation. The conversation <laughs> being. Just to say, uh, no, we can't. <laughs> we're here to we're here to talk about Star Wars The Force Awakens. And we had our instant reaction episode, which I, I found that to be a lot of fun. Uh not just because Evan was a part of that, but because we got to bring in um Evan's Fred Hudson. My son was a part of things, Evan's wife, my friend Bill from from high school. That was just a lot of fun to do. And I don't know if we'll do other episodes like that or not. Uh, I, I like that our format allows us to do things like that, do things like, uh, the goblins story that we did do things like, uh, this then where we sit down and just have a conversation where we've kind of talked ahead of time about the kind of topics we want to cover. But this is going to be an episode where we talk about star Wars, the force awakens a little more in depth. And after having the benefit of time to think and to process and to decide, was I just on a nostalgia high? Because <laughs> guys, I, I'm telling you on on the Facebook, on the Twitter, I'm seeing a lot of people who are accusing those who really like the movie and say it's great. It's just nostalgia. It's just nostalgia speaking, and and you're just you, you. It's the hype. It's the hype. But then there's the people who are you know on that high who are looking at the people who are, you know, pointing out plot holes and all these things and they're saying you're you're just being grumpy because it's not your Star Wars. You're just mad because they erased your uh expanded universe and there's kind of this weird back and forth that I'm seeing where you have people who are really really high on this and people who are really really low on this and then you have people caught in the middle who you know are just kind of getting insulted by both sides and it's it's interesting. It's interesting to see the fan reactions, and then then you have all the regular people, the non fans, you know, who are blissful and who are you know bragging that they've never seen Star Wars, and uh, some interesting reactions that are happening. But one thing's for sure, this movie's made a lot of money, a <laughs> lot a couple of, bucks. of money. And what did what did Disney buy Lucasfilm for? I think it was four billion. Three or four. Four, yeah. They are actually yeah. projecting that that Disney is going to make that money back just with this movie alone. Wow. Now, I that's a projection. I don't know how true that actually will end up being. But well, if you count all the marketing and the, all the you know other stuff leading up to it and coming out of it, I mean, wow, they put it out you know a week before Christmas. And little kids are going to go, I want that character for my, you know, st-. okay, we're going to go there and you buy 12 for the stocking stuffer and you buy the big, you know, play set for under the tree. And I mean, it's just going to be uh, amazing, amazing marketing right there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the marketing machine was obviously in full force, uh, something that never happened for, I don't know, say something like uh, maybe John Carter. John Carter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or Tomorrowland. Yeah, yeah. Tomorrowland. Poor Tomorrowland. I love that movie. Yeah, but Star but, Wars had a different kind of cachet than John Carter had, and and John Carter unfortunately was there first, you know. And then you have the people who say, you know, you can do it first, or you can be the one who does it right. Yeah. And and, and who 
is able to make their money because they're able to learn from the person who did it first. And that's really kind of a that Star Wars. I mean, we're talking still decades in between John Carter and Star Wars, but mm-hmm. uh, from the beginning, John Carter was an influence on Star Wars and Star Wars stole so much from it and was so successful yeah. that for John Carter then to try and do what John Carter does, it's not going to work out very well. It's going to look like it's copying. Yeah. And I mean, it's Superman came out of that too, you know, mm-hmm. being able to leap long distances and all that stuff. So you have this character who seemingly is ripping off Superman and Star Wars. I mean, come on. <laughs> You know, you have to market it correctly. You have to market it to the kids and say, hey, guess what the root of both Star Wars and Superman is? We got them. And all of a sudden, kids can glom onto that, you know. I don't even know. I don't even know if that would have worked, honestly. I mean, I don't know what would have worked with that. But uh, we did get a good John Carter movie out of it. And I can watch that. So I'm I'm happy at least for that. But, you know, this isn't the John Carter episode. This is the Star Wars episode. That's right. So, but now that we mentioned it, though, we've we've kind of started down that route anyway. Uh, Steve, after you saw the movie, you mm-hmm. sent me a message yeah. and you said, this is my thoughts on Star Wars. The Force Awakens in one word. Right. Oh, no. You said in one made up word. What one was that word? word? Pastiche. <laughs> <laughs> Can you please say that again? Pastiche. Because that is not how I heard it in my head when I read it on my phone. What did it it's look so like much better. What is it on your phone? I, oh, I, I heard it in my head as pastiche. <laughs> <laughs> no, say it again. It, I think it just... that's pretty much what it was. I mean, no, it was, no, you, know, you give it flair, though, when you say it. There's there's a flair to it. Pastiche. Pastiche. It was pastiche. Yeah. Explain. What do, what do you mean? And I, I think I agree with you wholeheartedly but but go ahead and explain what you mean by that well first of all they you know the, it it they they're on a planet that is not tatooine but yet it's remarkably similar to tatooine i mean if you didn't tell me it was what is it jakuine jakku jak well <laughs> I mean, it's it, Tatooine, Jakku. I mean, it's it, it's like it's so similar. You're like, why why isn't it just Tatooine? You know, so that sort of was the first little tip off. Hmm. Okay. And then you had these characters who we've seen these characters before, just with different faces. You know, so you have the this you know a person on the desert planet. Uh, you know, and and sort of like a a, a life. She has a, a more of a slave type of a life, but Luke is you know sort of a slave to his his uncle because he can't go to Tashi Station and, and pick up some power converters. Um, so you know you have these little things that are so similar. I mean, it, it even has a cantina scene and a little female non Jedi Yoda type character and. Uh, you know, it, it's like, it just, it keeps going and going. And I just kept watching it and I'm like, it seems like they're just using pastiche stuff and like doing an homage to the first three movies. Because I mean, uh, there's even a new death star, you know, it's the, the star killer base or whatever. But it's not just a death star. It's what if Hoth was a death star? Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it just keeps doing, I mean, r- Kylo Ren, he has a face mask like Darth Vader, the bad guy. You know, I mean, you. It's like it keeps 
going? You know, who's who's the bag and instead of the father this time? It's the son. You know, I mean, it's it's sort of like, oh, what a twist. You know, <laughs> so it, it that's how it hit me originally. I just kept seeing, and I mean, when I was a kid, I mean, I was the Star Wars kid. I was just everything was Star Wars. I, you know, Star Trek was okay. Some other stuff was okay, but it was Star Wars. And I, I, you know, dug into the the expanded universe and all that stuff. So I knew all these different things, but they were taking it really just from the movies. And it just seemed like, okay, okay, I know where that's from. Okay, I know where that's from. And I was just waiting for something like really new to show up, like really mind expanding, you know, to to, to blow up on the screen. And just it never did. Steve, Steve. There was a three-bladed lightsaber. How much newer can you get, man? Come well, on. Let's see. In, in the first trilogy, you had one one-bladed lightsabers. Yeah. In the second trilogy, you had two-bladed lightsabers. The third trilogy, you have three-bladed lightsabers. There you go. I'm, I'm sort of scared of what the fourth trilogy is going to give us. <laughs> it could be a glaive, Steve. A glaive lightsaber. A glaive. But you what know. is a glaive? Crawl. From, uh, from Crawl. Yeah. <laughs> it's a. Uh, I think it has five spokes, but it's like a, a frisbee. With, it's like a frisbee throwing with, star with spike. Yeah, yeah, a throwing star is better. It's it's like a throwing star. It has these these kind of claw spikes at the ends. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, crawl it, from crawl. Go watch it. Go, go crawl, watch crawl is stop listening to this episode and go watch crawl. I I want to do a series, Steve, with Evan, where I sit him down to watch eighties uh, eighties <laughs> sci fi movies like crawl, and yeah. and just get his response to them. I'm, I'm up for it. I'm already down for watching Battle of the Planets. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Crawl. Uh, crawl. What else could we do from that? Because oh, there's uh, just tons. Excalibur, maybe. Excalibur. Um, um, has, has he seen E.T.? I, can, I guess I could talk to him. Have you seen E.T. at least? Yes, I've seen okay. E.T. Okay. <laughs> We'd have to get a list of things that he's seen and then match it up with stuff that, that is just he has to watch. Yeah. See, but then after the credits, I get to sit Ben down and get his reaction to the Batman. Yeah, but that well, won't be as fun. Because <laughs> I'm not. I I can guarantee you, I'm not going to. Uh, my skin isn't going to crawl as much as yours would. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Okay, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, yeah. And, and the good thing is, uh, unlike when we did Gods and Monsters on Comic Book Time Machine, where it really made you uncomfortable because it went, it was just violent and yucky and icky. Uh, yes. These movies, they're just '80s bad. They're '80s tastic. <laughs> Uh, and they're Star Wars ripoffs left and right. Flash Gordon, that's the other one I was trying to think of. Oh, boy. You haven't yeah. seen that, right? Nope, haven't oh, seen okay. it. Okay, good, good. <sighs> Man. So, I'm ready. <laughs> back to Buck Steve's Rogers. point, though. Uh, Buck Rogers was a TV show, though. It's not quite the same. Yeah, it was Battlestar Galactica was in the movie theater. It was. It was. Yeah, but not. It, it still doesn't have the same uh, je ne sais quoi of, say, Flash Gordon or Crawl. All right. Ooh, fancy word, kind of like pastiche. Well, je ne sais quoi is not a fancy word; it's just French. <laughs> yeah, which is automatically fancy. That's true. And pastiche is French, but pastiche is my what I call it because it like just makes you think of an ice cream flavor or something like pistachio. <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it just it just seemed so. I mean, uh, there's a drawer with with the plans, you know, or, or something. There's a map yes. inside the yes. drawer. Yeah, yeah. See, here's my thing. The, the MacGuffin is in the droid. Yeah. And and so the droid becomes the MacGuffin for a while, and then you have not only that you have the princess. In this case, it's our Luke Skywalker stand-in, but you have yeah. Ray who ends up being prisoner. 
you know, on on the the ba- the battle station. Mm-hmm. But and here's here's where I I kind of I I I'm there with you. I agree with you. I mean, there's a trench run. You know, they're they're going to blow up a a giant Death Star with their little fighters because yeah. they're going to get, you know, their bombs into the small place on this one weak spot, you know. But where where I kind of break away and say, okay, I, I'm there. I understand. But what what makes it forgivable for me? And I don't know how forgiving you are of this, Steve. I haven't had a chance to hear from you on that. But what makes it forgivable for me is that you have these new characters who have different character arcs. And so instead of the princess getting rescued by the the, the team, you know, that she's going to be a part of. Right. She's rescuing herself. And instead of the Darth Vader stand in who has that mask being this skilled and cold and, uh, you know, experienced villain, he is, he's the evil Luke Skywalker. You know, he has the force. He's good at using the force, but he doesn't know how to, he's not refined in his usage of the force and he's not refined at all. I mean, he, he throws those tantrums and he's kind of just brings, you know, under the surface, he's just got this anger because he's searching for his identity and doesn't know if he wants to become what he's being forced to become. And so you have these things happening where you're like, I've seen this before. I've been here before, but then you have these other elements that are saying, okay, well, but traveling these roads that I've seen before are, I guess, different cars, maybe. I don't know if that's the, the best analogy. But for me, watching Finn and Ray and even Kylo Ren and uh, uh, now Poe, not so much. He, he's, he's just there. Uh, he's, I think, meant to be the Star Wars stand-in or the, the Han Solo stand-in. I'm not sure. It's like half but, him, him. He's half Han Solo and Ray is half Han Solo. Ray is like is like all three. She's like the Luke Skywalker, the Princess Leia, and Han Solo in, in bits. Yeah, you yeah, know? I can see that. Because she's the princess, she's the, the, the stuck on Tatooine, and she's the, the, the fighter pilot or the, the you know, freighter pilot. But even then, so. you know, there's a different uh, tr- trinity. You know, w- when you talk about sometimes these, these characters who come in threes, with, with Han Solo, Princess Leia, and Luke Skywalker, especially in that first movie, mm-hmm. Princess Leia is very pragmatic. She's just about what do we need to do to get things done? Because things have to get done or people are going to die. And so we've got to get the plans. We got I've got to rescue these plans, put them in the R2 unit. I We are stuck in this hallway. How are we going to get out of this hallway when they're shooting at us? Oh, I know. We'll shoot our own door. We'll make our own door and get out of here. She's practical and pragmatic. Han Solo is cynical and you know skilled, but his cynicism is what holds him back from doing anything good. And then you have Luke Skywalker, who's idealistic and, and wants to be a hero. And so with all three of them, you have these things that they, they kind of want to become something more, but things are holding them back. For Luke, it's his his station in life that's holding him back for Han Solo. It's his own cynicism that's holding him back um, from Princess Leia actually is not much holding her back, I guess, from being what she needs. She's already kind of in that hero role uh, when the movie begins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she's holding herself back from finding love. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and so I don't know about that. 
<laughs> she won't admit her true feelings for Han. But just, him, just kissing Luke it, all over the place. Just to make Han jealous. And so I see these these kind of similar uh, beginnings for these these other characters here in this new movie, but they're different. You know, with Ray, she wants to be good and do good, and out of that, she is actually becoming powerful. But then the flip side of her is Kylo Ren, who wants to be powerful, but because he is starting out wanting to be powerful, he's on this track for evil. You know, so she wants to be good, and because of that she's gaining power. He wants to gain power. And because of that, he's becoming evil. And so I, I'm looking at these characters and I'm liking the beginning. Now I do not know where these characters are going to go. I'm just liking the, um, the potential for these characters in future stories. Uh, Finn, the stormtrooper who becomes a good guy, you know, uh, I love that idea. I love the idea of him kind of, being a mirror image of, of Kylo Ren in some ways. Uh, Kylo Ren is being pushed and positioned to become evil and is fighting it, but he's fighting it in the wrong way. He's, he's fighting his, his good side, I guess. And, and then you have Finn who's doing the same thing. He's, he's fighting his training and his conditioning because he just saw a friend die. And then he's watching people give orders to murder. And, He's, you know, he's one of those people who was not going to say I was just following orders. He can't say that because he realizes the orders are wrong. And there's some neat stuff that they're doing with the characters, even though I fully 100 percent recognize. And we talked about this in the other episode uh, when we were driving home. Um, definitely. They are they're going to all these places where they're, hey, you like this. Well, what if it was even bigger? Yeah, <laughs> right. And I, I totally, I mean, I totally see where they're going with that. Just to, to try to show everybody, okay, we we understand the essence of what Star Wars was when it came out and what people liked about it, and just making the statement that we are returning back to those roots and we're getting away from the politics and the really the heavy, heavy reliance on the CGI. We're returning to practical effects. We're going to the locations that you guys enjoyed before and we're just making it we i think they just were trying to put that the feel of star wars in a bottle and present that in the movie and which you have to admit they they did they were able to capture the feel of star wars and put it in there now granted they did like you guys are saying and i totally am in agreement with you guys as well is repeating all that stuff to get that feel but I think it's a good starting point. Uh, and since they've, they've, I mean, they've used all the tricks in the bag. So now I'm feeling like in the future for the next movies, they're going to have to, you know, make up some new stuff. No, there's more tricks in the bag that they could do. So, you know, I don't really, I don't really see them doing, I mean, there's going to be a different writer for the next one. Am I right? Uh, I'm not sure if it's going to be a different writer. I know it's going to be a different director. Yes. So there's, there's going to be at least something different happening there. But the thing is, I mean, okay. Just like one super geeky nerdy thing, because I, I used to be that super geeky nerdy star Wars fan. Okay. And this is one of the things where I'm thinking to myself, 
why don't other super nerdy geeky fans pick up on this and think that it's something? And maybe you guys can help me out. We'll try. Okay? We will try. So in the original Star Wars, Star Wars A New Hope, okay, um, there was a reference to a stormtrooper, TK-421, okay? So you have this this one time, maybe it might have been one other time, I'm not sure, but uh, where he uses the phrase for a stormtrooper's designation, and he uses English letters, TK-421. Right. Okay. And then uh, when Ben Kenobi is turning off the, uh, the, the, the tractor beam, okay, the tractor beam controls, um, you can see the word power and things like that. It's written in English in the, you know, on the thing. He's, he pulls the lever and it goes, and you can see power and whatever. Um, I forget what else is there, but it's in English. When he redid it for the, um, for the, the, the special editions, he said to himself, well, obviously they're not speaking English. So I'm going to take those that whole thing and just re remake that, recut that scene because it's just his hand, and you know it's going to be in, in alien letters, okay? But he didn't go back and change TK four two one, so he's still using English designation letters for something that he's fixed, quote unquote. Okay, Steve, you're missing an even bigger thing here, though, What's and that, that? is R two D two. I mean, these are not just a one-off Stormtrooper character. This is, uh, I mean, primary characters who really the whole series revolves around in some ways. Right. I know. But just strictly talking with the Stormtroopers, he didn't go back and change the Stormtroopers designation to flop, flop, look back, mum. You know, he didn't do anything like that. He just said, just going to keep that in there and just keep the other, you know, English language visuals. We're going to get rid of those. And so if you're getting rid of some of them, and it's just, it, it just shows sort of the messiness of the universe. If you're getting rid of that, but then you have a character in the new one, you know, I'm FN, whatever he was, we'll call you Finn. And it's sort of like, but George Lucas is trying to get rid of the English. And no, it's a, he, it seemed no, like no, no. something where I was like, oh, people aren't going to like that. And no one picked up on it. No, well, and here's actually, why. I picked up on it today. I was uh, watching the movie for a second time today with my friend, mm -hmm. and um, I came to the conclusion that the video screen through which we are peering into this universe is acting as a universal translator, because obviously, no, for real, because obviously, they they wouldn't be speaking English, they wouldn't be using English profanity. Um, why not? Yet, anytime we see letters on the screen they are alien letters and alien type and so obviously the translator is only translating the spoken word into english for us to understand in other languages around the world and also it, consider x-wing right, a-wing yeah. b-wing yeah. now consider this though i mean y-wing a b-wing that doesn't look like a b at all <laughs> i mean it's it's a lowercase t if anything Right. It's an no, I, I that turns into a T. It's an IT wing. Come on. No, I understand. <laughs> but the thing is, he didn't he didn't change that stuff, but JJ Abrams sort of just like embraced it and ran with it. And no one it you know, it doesn't it just doesn't seem like it's that much of a big deal. I know? think that's a, I I don't know. I think that's a very minor point. I mean But the thing is if it's a universal translator, we're not getting R2D2's translation, we're not getting Chewbacca's translation. So it's not universal. No, we're getting the we're only getting the translation of basic. Right. Right. 
Right. Which, and, and so when like those other characters seen a real falcon. <laughs> you know? So there's that. Yeah. yeah. We actually do get to see a bird in this one. There's a bird. Yes. Pecking at something. Yeah. The Millennium Falcon, that has bothered me. That, that, <laughs> that, that's bothered me since I was little. Like, trying to figure out, how do they know what that kind of bird is? If it's in the space, you know, and then, yeah. And then there's references to stuff um, in, in the comics and, and, and in the, some of the early expanded universe books where they talk about different animals that are obviously earth animals, but um, that, that bothers me more though than, than any kind of letters or, or numbers or anything like that. And it's just, it's indicative of the super geeky stuff that I see in there. And I'm like, how come other super geeky people aren't picking up on their stuff? Because they're picking they're, up on much easier things to pick up. They're picking up on much lower hanging fruit. Yes. <laughs> um, I guess. Because they're talking about another Death Star. You know, and, and and there's there's validity to some of those complaints. There, there definitely is. I, I do also see a number of complaints, though, that are about things that are purposely not being revealed. And, you know... There's a difference between purposefully, you know, holding back on telling you something and, you know, be, well, I guess poor storytelling. Uh, there's mm-hmm. there's a difference there. And and then there's also uh, people complaining uh, about, um, you know, well, uh, well, let's just go there. You know, Han Solo <laughs> dying. <laughs> and I, I've seen someone who basically is convinced the reason that they stopped using expanded universe material and have cut that out is so that they could then cherry pick and use the best of the best for the new stuff. And he looks at this movie and all he sees are expanded universe ripoffs. And I don't get it. I don't get what he's saying. Uh, He says, okay, see Han Solo dies in this one, but they're just ripping off when Chewbacca dies in the expanded universe. And I'm just everything I know about how Chewbacca dies. It's nothing like this, this thing with Han Solo. I don't understand. Like they're obviously that's their Obi-Wan moment. Right. You know, that's, that has nothing to do with the expanded universe. That has everything to do with, we need something that's going to launch our characters onto their paths that they're going to go on. Mm -hmm. And you know, Han Solo dying, it, it serves that purpose for both Ren and Ray. I think, uh, for Kylo Ren, it's 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 like if Luke Skywalker had killed Obi Wan Kenobi himself, um, yeah. you know. And and for Rey, it's seeing someone who's important to her, and who may or may not be her uncle or her father, um, you know, die. Now she, I don't think she has any clue of the familial relationship, right. but he's you know he grew on her. He he accepted her. He offered her that job. You know and because he saw something in her and we can talk about what he saw in her later, but yeah. So I, I see a lot of complaints about this movie that I think are people complaining just because they don't, they don't want to be happy about it. (laughs) And and then I I see other people who are like, they, they don't want to not be happy about it. They don't want to criticize it. They, you know, so I, I see both sides happening, but yeah. See, I wanted to come in 
and see uh, you automatically knew that there was going to be Han Solo and Luke Skywalker and in Princess Leia. I wanted to see some nice cameos and, and Chewbacca and you know that type of stuff. Nice cameos from them. Okay, good. You know, maybe even a, a good solid part for each one of them. Okay, just not just a throwaway thing. Um, I wanted to see sort of a brand new story. You know, sort of everything. You know, we've got up to the sixth movie, and now you know, thirty years later, what would it be like thirty years later? But it's like they haven't taken care of the remnants of the Imperials to the point where there's millions of them, maybe even billions of them that they have to, you know, they, that they can build an entire planet that's better than the Death Star. I mean, they won. The Ewoks made the songs and <laughs> danced and everything. Okay. There was, there yeah, let's let's go there. Here's what I want to, yeah, here's let's what I want to talk about is where what is the state and shape of the galaxy in this canon that we're, we're coming in on in episode seven? Okay, here's my understanding from what the movie gives us. Now, I have not read any of Road right. to the Force Awakens or Journey to or whatever that is, other than Shattered Empire, the comic book series that's about Dameron Poe's parents, which is, it's, it's decent enough, but... Here's what I'm I'm looking at this. I see three factions. There seem to be three independent factions. You have the First Order who have the, the planet. You have the New Republic who are those five planets that get destroyed by that one beam that kind of branches off. And I, that bothered me. I'll, I'll, I'll just say right now, the way the beam worked, from? it bothered me. But, um, I don't mind the beam, but did... Was it set up that that's what I mean? I didn't see anything of those five planets, and then it those, shoots this thing and hits the five planets. Those They're five, Alderaan. It's just like Alderaan. Yeah, it's, only five of them. But yeah, they, they talk about it. it. They Actually. talk about it. These are the government center for the New Republic. These five planets are, and they're going to take them out. So the rebellion didn't go back and take back Coruscant, is what you're saying? And the First Order still has Coruscant? No, I don't know who has Coruscant. I don't. I don't know who has what. Because they don't really explore it. They don't really tell us who has what. They don't name the planets that get destroyed from what I can remember. But you have the New Order, the New Republic rather, the First Order, and then you have the Resistance. And the Resistance, and see this is where, okay, I'm trying to piece this together. I think the Resistance works with the New Republic. Yeah. But... They're kind of like the people who go and do military action against the First Order because the New Republic can't because that would be an act of war. Well, the New Republic, they kept saying, had a fleet. Yeah, yeah, but they can't go after the First Order because that would be, you know, it's like um, it's like the United States and Germany. Okay, you have in, in World War II. And let's, you know, definitely there's uh, the Nazi um, influence on, on the, the storytelling here. But the United States is in conflict with Germany, but they aren't fighting Germany yet. But there's a resistance who are in France. And they are fighting against Germany. And so politically, the United States really couldn't do anything until they actually um, declared war. But they could support the resistance that was, you know, already doing these things against Germany. I think that's what's happening here. 
But do you think that the entire New Republic was wiped out? Because that's not the vibe I got. No, just the political center of the New Republic. Okay. Those five planets were the political center. And and so it gets wiped out, and it's going to throw things into serious disarray. But I don't think that that completely, again, the Empire kind of reformed itself, it seems, into the First Order. Which, you know, Fifth Reich, First Order, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the Nazi symbolism, you, if you squint, you can see it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it's it's there. I promise you. Um, I'm not just making stuff up here when I say that they they use some Nazi symbolism all over the place. Yeah. Everywhere, they kick you in the jaw with the Nazi symbolism. <laughs> yeah. uh, right from the haircuts, even. I mean, the haircuts of some of those officers. You're just that is so Nazi. Which is kind of <laughs> funny because they all have English accents. Yeah. I. You know what? I read something <laughs> about why that is, though, Steve. Um, in the old World War II movies that George Lucas would have seen when he was younger, they yeah. used British actors to play German soldiers. And how come stormtroopers don't have English uh, British accents? How, how come Ray has an English accent? <laughs> no, she's a bad Is guy. she an imperial? Hmm? I, uh, I heard that one of the reasons he did that in the original Star Wars was be, uh, to metaphor the American Revolution. So that you like all the bad guys have British accents, right? And so, so Obi Wan is bad because he has a British accent. Excellent, perfect. We figured this entire thing out. No, yeah, there it is. It's a perfect argument. The, the yeah. thing that I read was, like I said, it was just that in those old movies, Germans had that that accent because they were using British actors to to play the German parts, right. and it's it's a European sound. And so he was wanting to import the the uh, illusion of the Nazis from those World War II movies into his, his space fantasy. So, yeah, it is, you know, then your, your soldiers who are on the ground, though, the stormtroopers, they aren't as educated. They don't sound as educated. They aren't, you know, they don't have the, uh, they don't have the refinement of the officers and they will never be officers. Because they are trained. This is the other interesting thing. We find out at least the First Order is doing it this way. They steal children. And then they train and condition them. And if they start to go away from their conditioning, they just recondition them. Yep. And, and uh, I like the uh, the mention of a clone army as a possibility. Nice throwback. Yeah, it was... I liked it. There, there's some interesting new things. Not a lot of interesting new things that are coming through, but there are some. There are some things expanding the universe here. So, you want to hear about a missed opportunity? Sure. They should have put Jar Jar Binks on one of those planets. One of which planets? Nice. One of the planets that got blown up. Oh. They should. I mean, everybody, all the old fans would have loved that. All the kids would have disown star wars you'd be you'd be sending the wrong message though it would be like i'm so conflicted oh billions of people are dying but i'm so happy that one person yeah, is dying. Yeah. yeah it would it would but it would it still would have been like a bunch of people would have loved it no no that i don't think the wrong no, way no no i i look at that and i, I think to myself i'm glad jar jar is not there um, but if they had brought Jar Jar back, 
you know, how old is he going to be anyway? What's the lo- average yeah. lifespan of a, of a Gungan anyway? Well, hey, also, Yoda's race can live up to over 900. A uh, Gungan li- can live to 80. Well, and Chewbacca's in his hundreds. You and know. let me be let, let me be clear here. That scene is the most gut wrenching scene for me. Like, which one? I, when the planets get destroyed. Oh, um, I yeah. It just that's that's the thing that hit me the most when I watched the movie. So I don't want to make light of millions of billions of people dying. But uh, if I was a a, a short sighted producer, <laughs> that scene is very different. Though you call it the Alderaan scene. But consider Alderaan. We never, ever saw Alderaan other than right. through a view screen. We were very removed from it. We saw the surviving princess of Alderaan mm-hmm. uh, mourn it briefly. But the whole idea of what just happened and how horrible and evil that was. Mm-hmm. you know, and, and you have people complain about, well, what about all the regular people who are on the Death Star when they blew it up? This was definitely one of those wartime decisions, and we can debate the the validity of the decision. But this was a wartime decision to we're we're going to destroy something that might have a few thousand innocents on it, so that we can save billions upon billions of innocents. Now, you know, weighing and making that way, and the needs of the one outweighing the needs of the few or the many or whatever it is. That's that's a whole other conversation. But in this movie. We see victims. Yeah. We see people on the planet. We hear people on the planet. For about a second. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but it's enough. Yeah, it's still gut-wrenching. I I feel like it's enough to say, you know, this is not just a explosion that you're removed from, but there's people here. There's people dying. And it's it's not, I mean, if, if, uh, Oh, who is it that you know did Independence Day in 2012 and, and all those movies? If they had done this, the whole movie would have been about that. You know, the, <laughs> the planet just getting destroyed for two hours and tr- people trying to escape it. But but the thing is, you could have done that. I mean, you you could have had something where these you know some someone escapes. You know, someone puts a baby in a rocket ship and jets them off or something <laughs> like that. It could have been something. No, Instead, they could you see these people for literally, isn't it like one actual second on screen and then the whole thing explodes and you're like, I feel so bad for those nameless people who now I have the faces of and now I know they're dead. But it's more <laughs> than we got with the first movie and it's yes. actually acknowledging the idea of what is happening there. But you know what? I don't know that. I, as far as I know, those eight people or whatever are the only ones on that planet. No, Steve, those are, those are stand-ins. You know that. You know the, this is a populated planet. These are cities, and we're seeing the faces of eight people on one building in the city. But you know, you I know, know. But the thing is, if you're just looking at it on the face value of it, all I know is there's that many people. If you look at Alderaan, no, Alderaan is my home planet. It's, uh, that's you know, it's they're peaceful people. There's no, and you get this sense that it's an actual planet, a working planet. Wait, wait, wait. You're saying that that <clears throat> the first Star Wars gives more of a sense that it's an actual planet than this one does. Yes, by not showing a representative small group of people. You're, so you're saying that no they, this is, they say this is the political center of the New Republic, but you're saying they, they tell you that, but it still could just be those eight people. Well, if you think about it, the uh, plus all the voices Republic, that you hear as the cities are being destroyed and the little tiny figures that are 
in all the skyscrapers you see. And then I noticed today there was a fleet surrounding the planets, and when the beam hit it, the, the fleet was destroyed as well. So there's but there was, no one was on those ships because you didn't drones. see the people. Drones could have been all drones. Oh my gosh, Steve. <laughs> I'm just saying it's 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 better <laughs> to have shown nobody I, than to show a small no, amount of people. No, it's totally disagree. I have always felt that they gloss over Alderaan so much in that movie because that's not what the movie is about. I mean, that is done to show you what the Death Star can do and, and only to show you what the Death Star can do. Well, to and, show you how horrible the, you know, Tarkin, I mean, just go ahead with it. You know, I've, I've got the information I want. Go ahead with it anyway. You know, how horrible the, <laughs> the, the, the Empire is. Well, these people are way worse. They didn't even need information. Just no, oh, no warning. They were doing. Planets. They were doing it for personal gain. You know, it was yeah. a strategic military decision by the Nazi stand-ins. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Man. Oh man. I I I do have trouble with the beam though. That beam moves through space. So it feels like you, know, you look at it and it looks like it's moving slow. I'm okay with that, but the fact that it gets there within minutes to these planets and other systems. Uh, now, they solve the problem of moving a planet-sized weapon faster than light and, and into hyperspace or whatever. But then the beam splits up. Again, don't mind the splitting up, except at one of the images, it's just the angles that these beams are hitting at. It's like they do just kind of hit a point and then break away into, into five beams. It just didn't feel, uh, I don't know, Just it, the perspective felt off. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I wasn't gutted Evan, but I was glad they were at least kind of paying some lip service to, to the idea that there, there's an actual murder happening here. I wasn't wrecked. Like I would be wrecked watching a scene from daredevil, let's say, but well, but see, I was wrecked in this movie. This, this one, this, this moment wrenched me more than, uh, more than, than Han Solo's death. Actually, really? It did. Um, not now Han Solo's death did uh, did get me but yeah because i mean well it's it's just one person dying instead of you know 12 like with the people who are on that planet <laughs> i can see that well i also saw it coming so i was able to brace myself pretty pretty good in advance for for han's death i i saw it coming not early on as we were getting closer though the closer and closer we got to it the more and more i thought this is happening and i started thinking wait a minute is this why we get so much of him in this movie yep uh and then I realized, okay, he's, and as soon as, I mean, I knew that there was a point of no return for me where he, he says to, to Han Solo, you know, I, I need your help. There's one more thing I need to do. Yeah. And I just don't know if I have the strength to do it. And I was just, oh no, yep. that's what's happening here. See, I thought I, I got the inkling that uh, Han Solo wasn't going to make it as soon as they started putting the charges. Cause I thought they were going to sacrifice themselves and blow up the the thing with them and still inside. But from that point, I was expecting him to die. So, yeah, I got the sense that one of them was going to die. And I didn't, uh, I mean, obviously I was like, <laughs> here's a terrible, terrible thing that I did a couple of days before. Um, <laughs> I had heard nothing. I wasn't following the trailers. I wasn't following the buzz. I wasn't following the, any of the spin or anything like that. Anything. I wasn't following anything. 
Okay. I had seen like that very early trailer and then I saw like a Disney version of the trailer and I was like, I wasn't following anything and I just have to get that point across to everybody. And I came home to, and my wife and kids were there and I knew we were going to the movie and uh, I said, just jokingly, I said, uh, you know, I, I, I heard a review of the movie and my wife said, well, no spoilers. And I said, well, obviously no spoilers, but you know, what they did, what they did say in, in the review is it, it's the saddest part is when Han Solo dies. And she's like, oh, come on. I'm like, oh, no, I'm just joking. I have no idea. And then I thought to myself, I'm like, you know what? They could kill him in this movie. And I could have just like really given it away. And then I'm like, you know, I'm, I have no idea. And I just apologized. And I said, I haven't seen anything. I haven't heard anything. I said, he could die. I don't know. But I don't know if he does. I, I was just making it up. Sorry. I, I you know, I, I didn't mean to to do that. And I really felt bad because I'm like, what happens if he really dies in the movie? How would I feel? And then he gets killed in the movie. I'm like, and I'm, I was sitting next to my, my daughter, not my wife. We, we, she was in between us too. And <laughs> I'm like, Oh no, I just, I just spoiled this for them. And I felt kind of bad. And afterwards they were like, Oh, well, you know, it, it sort of was, you know, we could see it coming anyway. So it wasn't a big deal. But at the time I was like, Oh, I feel so bad. That's funny. <laughs> Oh, Steve. I know. Me and my stupid jokes. People have told me many, many times I should just lay off the stupid jokes. <laughs> and I tell them, you know what? I would. But just no, so but I've got funny. a podcast to do, so I can't. So, right. okay. So let's talk Luke Skywalker then. We all, you know, reacted with Han Solo, but my fear was that this is what was going to happen to Luke Skywalker in this movie that he was going to die in this movie. I was also afraid that he was going to be evil in this movie. Yes. And, I was afraid of that, you know, I was afraid that he was going to be, you know, like the emperor stand in, or I didn't think he was going to be Kylo Ren. Cause I knew that they had cast an actor to actually play that guy. But, uh, then the movie opens and I was so relieved when the first sentence in the scroll was Luke Skywalker has vanished. And I'm just, Oh, He's, he's gone. You know, he's, he's not evil. He's not he's, evil. He's a force ghost. <laughs> and then the whole movie turns out to be, we're searching for Luke Skywalker. And then the movie, you know, so it begins with the words, Luke Skywalker. And it ends with him, uh, just staring at, at Ray, uh, and, and being handed yeah. his, his lightsaber. But yeah, I was so concerned. I was hoping I wanted to see him be the Obi-Wan of this movie kind of training and, and giving advice to the, the younger generation. It sounds like we're going to get that in the next movie, but I guess actually all things considered, he's not the next Obi-Wan. He's the next Yoda. He's Yoda. Yeah. He's, he's but disappeared to go to Rey a place. Oh, I, I disagree. Yeah. She is training. I was talking to Ben about this. There were no backflips in this movie. She needs to be trained to do backflips. Uh, she well, is, Definitely. She defeated the, the Darth Vader character <laughs> with no training in the first he, movie. He didn't have any training either, or very little, and he couldn't do backflips either. And he's he kind of a wounded. spaz. Yeah, he was Luke? wounded also. Luke? No, no, Kylo Ren. Oh, okay. He okay. was wounded. He had that, that bloody side thing going on. And he's not great. He's just the best around. Like, no one wants to mess with him because he has the force. He can rip things out of your brain. He has that jagged sword, and he flies off the handle. 
Now, Darth Vader would fly off the handle, but flying off the handle for Darth Vader was, I'm going to choke you. Oh, there's that, too. Kylo Ren, he'll throw a tantrum. (laughs) That's him flying off the handle. Kylo will throw a a tantrum. But the, the lightsaber battle that they had, it was it was uh it was unskilled it was just you know swing your sword at each other and there was no skill involved in it on ray's part she became more confident but that she became more confident as she be, was becoming more confident you know trusting the force i mean that's that's her luke use the force moment and but Kylo Ren can stop a blaster shot in midair. Yeah. Why? That was weird. Doesn't he just stop the lightsaber? <laughs> I mean, it just, it's, it seemed like. She overpowered was... him, though. She overpowered him. They were both trying to use the force to bring that lightsaber to them. And she won. It well, won. yeah, and it just it sort of goes to my thing. I mean, she defeats the D- Darth Vader character. She has more power than the Darth Vader character in the first movie. You know, Luke went th- three movies and he still didn't overpower Darth Vader. But that's not the se- that's not the villain they're setting up. That's the thing. I see people complaining about that, and they're complaining about it like, well, they just totally messed that one up, and they they were trying to create a Darth Vader, and they totally screwed it up. What we see is exactly what they wanted to give us. It's a child. It's a man child. It is someone who has no control. It's someone who has great power, but who has very little maturity and who has, I mean, he's been raised by this evil thing. Uh, I don't know what this evil thing is, the Snoke guy or whatever, but yeah, I, what they show us is not a mistake. Now, we may not like it, or when I say we, I mean anyone. You know, They may not like the choices they made, but it is intentional to have him be not Darth Vader. He is not meant to be the imposing presence of evil that Darth Vader is. He is going to grow into that. And I love that idea that we are getting a negative Luke Skywalker in this movie. We are getting a character who is going to learn how, you know, learn the ways of the force completely by, but, but it's the evil side. And, you know, you could say, well, we already got that with Anakin. And yeah, there's, there's an element of that there. But with this guy, it's, it's Luke Skywalker. It's Luke Skywalker with the dark cloak instead of the tan pants and, and white wraparound shirt thing. So you don't think he's already far gone after committing atrocities and Oh no no I he's definitely far gone as far as morally speaking I guess I'm talking about power I'm talking about um skill with the force Right cuz Luke he had the raw power of the force but he wasn't trained in it that's why he had to go to Yoda and then he still wasn't trained cuz he left early and Ray has the raw power of the Force as well. Yes. That's. That, I mean, that's what the that's what the movie gave me. I don't know from any of the you know expanded stuff, you know, the novels and anything like that that they've been writing that gives some background. I don't. I don't know how much background they actually give though. I mean, you you and want the movies you, to carry what, it, but 
What's your guys' take on Luke Skywalker and Return of the Jedi? Has he started to go down the dark path because he walks into Jabba's place and does the force choke on that Gamorrean guard? Is that indicative of him starting to go down the dark path? I think it's indicative of him, not just that, his clothing too. Mm-hmm. But I think it's indicative of him um, having the potential to go down that dark path. Right. Because they talk about throughout the three movies that he's got anger issues. Like that's his, right. big, that's his big thing. Right. But using something that's a specifically a dark side uh, attack, it's, I mean, Jedi don't use the force to attack, only to fight. He doesn't know. Yeah, I mean, he's using the force. I mean, I look at him doing that as, yeah, he maybe shouldn't do that, but it's him using the tools at his disposal. And and he doesn't have an example of Jedi other than a dead guy and Yoda. Right. Of 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 what what do you do or not do with your powers? And and so the 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 Jedi mind. I mean, the Gamorrean guards are pretty dumb. You know, just give him a Jedi mind trick and have him walk you know, out the door or something. Instead, he chokes him to death. Or at least he chokes him to something. I mean, it's just, you know, if, if you get that and Luke Skywalker, all of a sudden you see this character starting to go towards the dark side. And then when he has the final confrontation with Vader and the Emperor, you see this. It's, he's redeeming part of himself as well, right? Uh, I don't know if I would say he's redeeming part of himself as much as I would say it's more his moment, maybe of sanctification. Where well, yeah. He's repenting. Yeah, he's, but it, this is where he is. He's he's already you know paid lip service to I want to be a Jedi. I want to do the right thing and be the good guy. But this is where he chooses that, and and not only chooses that, he chooses that to the point of no return. You know, he drops his weapon and and says, no, you know, you, you have lost. I will not turn. And and so that's I love that moment in, in Return of the Jedi. And I always have. And maybe I'm jaded, not jaded. What's the opposite of jaded? Because um, it's it's on a good way. <laughs> it's but blinded? I, maybe 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 I'm blinded by just the impact that that scene had on me when I was younger, but it still does it for me when I watch it now and I see him, you know, he's, he's ready. He, he's giving in. He, they're hitting all the right buttons, you know, talking about destroying his friends, the possibility of his sister being exposed. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're doing all the right things to pull him to the point where he is going to let loose with his anger, follow that dark path, and kill um and and not just kill because vader is helpless before him he's won the battle when Mm -hmm. he is striking vader down and when he stops himself um he's realized okay i'm becoming like my father but he's also realized i've already won this battle it it, you know vader is down and and then he tosses his his lightsaber aside because he's you know the emperor is not going to have him Mm -hmm. and it's not quite quite a pacifist statement but it, it's close and it's him saying you know what do your worst but i am not going to join you and yeah so i i see the return of the jedi and it's not done well it's not the greatest image of it but you definitely are seeing in return of the jedi uh luke skywalker 
battle and, and flirt with the, you know, the, the dark versus the light. There should have been more to it. I, I feel like if Return of the Jedi has one weakness, it's Ewoks. Because <laughs> the Ewoks, well, yeah, it wasn't the most realistic thing in the world. But if it has two weaknesses, it's that um, Luke Skywalker <laughs> could have had a more sophisticated uh, battle with, with the dark side in, in himself. And I, I don't know what we're going to get in the, the movies after this one, but I, we have similar things going on here, I think. Well, let's talk about that. And, and Ray too. Ray shows potential for the dark side. When she was going after him, I realized she's going after him and it's anger that's fueling her. And, you know, anger leads to hate. And hate. Hate leads to, I don't even know. Suffering. I, something like that. <laughs> yeah. So what were you saying? Evan? Oh, I was going to say, why don't we, if you guys don't mind, talk about where, what do you want to see in the future movies? Where, where do you think this is going to go? Where, do you, where would you like it to go? I have a, a two-word um, review, pre-review of what I want the next movies to be. And two words, and one of them is made up. Ooh, let's hear it. <laughs> My two-word pre-review of what I want the next two movies to be is not pastiche <laughs> nice all right sure thing <laughs> got to stick with it it's, it's my thing well the next movie is going to be going backwards in time yeah, the force falls asleep i think it's called <laughs> to uh, uh star wars rogue one i think is what it's gonna be called oh i meant in the next trilogy yeah, film. okay because well, that's our next movie that's our next right. that's our next step in the journey is is we get to see uh people trying to get the the death star plans um the next movie of the trilogy i want to see more with ray and more with kylo ren i want to see them possibly go up against each other and, and father love <laughs> <laughs> and, no. and and I want to, see, you know, because they could be brother and sister. I'm I'm not convinced. So they could still fall in love in these, this universe because brother and sister fall in love before. Oh boy. yeah, but they didn't see, know. Everything works out, Steve. They didn't. Know. But <laughs> they're they're related one way or another. They are from. I I believe that, that they are both um, grandchildren for Anakin. Um, that you know, Kylo Ren is Princess Leia and Han Solo's son, and. Uh, Ray could be from Han Solo and Princess Leia, but but more than likely is is uh, Luke Skywalker's daughter, in in my opinion. That's but, what I think too. But I want to see them, you know, grow. I want to see them uh, struggle. Uh, I want to see a story that, yeah, I I, I don't want to just see another rehash of of things I already liked before. I'd like to see new ideas. I'd like to see, you know, the idea of a planet that is a gun. Sure. That's, that's, that's great. Okay. And the fact that it pulled energy from the sun, that was neat. That was a new idea, yeah. but it was a new idea that was wearing the clothes of an old idea. And yeah, so then the next movie, it'll probably be like a sun gun. Instead of taking the power from the sun, they're actually on the sun using it to destroy things. How about that? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what they can do that's going to be new, though, because that's the thing. You know, we're talking about the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. And right. a lot of it has been done. But by, over the sun. A lot of it has been done by Star Wars. 
Um, so what kind of story can they give us that we're going to want? That's the other question. One with walkers. <laughs> Maybe. I like the sun gun. Do you? Because yeah, I, I sort of do. There's there's possibilities there. Here here's what I'm gonna need from from either one of the the next trilogy movies. I'm gonna need some some heavy backstory fill in here. Yeah. Um. Because here here's one thing that kind of frustrated me about not not only the original trilogy but also the uh, this new one too. It just seems like everything's happening out in the middle of nowhere. And I understand why they did that in the original trilogy because they didn't have the technology or the budget to create vast cityscape landscapes and all that. Uh, And I'm okay with it in this first one because they are reestablishing the tone of all the original trilogy. It's okay with me. But I'm just sad that we took all the time in the prequel trilogies to establish the, um, the hierarchy and the the, the infrastructure of how the, this galaxy works and fits together. And now we're just tossing it all out the window and it just seems kind of disconnected and disjointed a little bit to me. Um, I was, I'm, I was happy we saw some of that, those cityscapes on the planets that blew up. But like we said, 10 seconds. Yeah. And I'd like to see a return to some of those planets and maybe even Bespin, who knows, but even Bespin was kind of like out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and it was in the clouds. You didn't see what the... I mean, it was probably a gaseous planet or something. Right. You just never saw what the actual thing looked like. But that was kind of the yeah, point, I, though, is you have these regular people. You know, Lord of the Rings, too. You have these regular people who are thrown into extraordinary circumstances. Right, but in Lord of the Rings, we stopped in the major metropolitan centers of government. In, yeah, and you saw the cities, and you saw you know how cities are, work. No, we are with a group of people who want to be in hiding, who don't want to be in those places. That's why we're in Hoth. That's why we run away to Bespin. That's why at the end of The Empire Strikes Back, it's a surprise to see a rebel fleet. Because right, we've been with these small pockets of people who, uh, you know, they're they're part of a small rebellion. I but, understand the, the story choices they made to make that a reality in the stories, in the films. But it would be nice to have the story writers write something in where you do get to see the connectedness of everything. I mean, in, in, the, in the, the, the expanded universe stories, this was another thing. I, I kept seeing little things about the stuff that the expanded universe isn't canon anymore. And nothing that happened in the expanded universe happens. But then they're using elements of it to influence their story. And I'm like... It didn't. It didn't seem. It, it seemed disingenuous. It seemed like you know they're saying, "Oh, all that stuff didn't exist. We're just going to cherry pick the best stuff and use it in our new movies," you know. And you know, just it's just it was like, okay, <laughs> you know, why don't you just make up something that's more? I don't. I don't know if I want to say this original. Yeah, you know. But d- and, but here's the thing. How, what what is there that's original? You know. I've been working on, I want to do a sci-fi story and I was working with an artist friend and we're trying to think through, well, what could we do that hasn't been done? There's nothing. There is. No. There, no. You, know, you nope. know what you could do? You know what you nope. could do? You could have something that is not the empire fighting something that's not the rebellion. 
Yeah, but it yeah. would be like Star Wars. But then, it would be like Star Wars. No, but but what? Steve, you have to look at everything now. Look at everything. Go, going back to John Carter, you know, you do John Carter. It was the original. It was there first, but now it's all been done. I'm not talking about okay, what can I do? That's not going to be like Star Wars. You know, those seven movies that are out there now. I'm talking about you know, you have all of Star Trek. You have firefly you have space above and beyond you have like all these things that it's all been done before right but the thing is if you're making a movie at the very least you could make it different than the movies you already made is what i'm saying i am with you on the force awakens being uh you know a greatest hits album you know and it's it's I, i was thinking about this the, the the Force Awakens is like uh, a greatest a greatest hits album or a, a concert. Let's go to a concert by Chicago. Okay, they have you know Peter Cetera doesn't sing for Chicago anymore, but right. they still do Peter Cetera's songs, and that's what J.J. Right. Abrams is doing. He's doing George Lucas's songs, you know, uh, but he's doing it with you know a slight spin because he has a different vocal range. Right. Yeah, it's a K-Tel production. And 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 J.J. Abrams vocal range is to be able to take things and for you know whatever you want to say about this, this is what he's given us so far on the big screen. Uh, now, did he direct Clover? Not Cloverfield. Did he direct? Um, oh, what was that movie about the kids? The eight millimeter. No, what is it called? Yeah, yeah Super Eight. Yeah, Super Eight. I think he did. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, what is Super Eight? It's Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It's E.T. Yes. You know, and, and Star Trek and, and Star Trek into darkness. Um, now you can say what you want about the tone being nothing like the original series, but what was he giving us in those movies? He was giving us, uh, Star Trek greatest hits. Yes. But what he, and then did, infusing it with Star Wars, he, but, and with this movie now, first, he's doing the same he, thing. What he did in the first Star Trek movie, I will have to say, is something we have never seen done. We have never seen someone rebooting the entire series using the entire series now as a pocket universe that exists in the first series. I mean, it's it's just it it has that flow because of Spock. So both of them are real. Both of them really exist. Both of them are, are the actual thing. Yeah, but that's not but what I'm talking about. Brand new. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about him. Uh, I'm talking about the meta behind it. I'm talking about us looking at the story that he's giving us, and he's giving us time travel. He's giving us alternate universes. He's giving us all these little things uh, with more energy, you know, and, and and bigger and more extreme. He's giving us exploding planets, you know. And then with Star Trek Into Darkness, he's giving us Wrath of Khan, mm-hmm. only, you know, more modern and, and more slick and more energy. And that's what he's giving us with The Force Awakens. He's giving us the movies that we liked. And, you know, they're they're bigger, they're louder. There's elements that I like about them, uh, you know, and, and there's things I like about The Force Awakens a lot. I really, really enjoyed that movie. I really, really enjoyed it. Um I think part of it is because it did harken back to the old movies, but then part of me was just, it's a little much, it's a little much, but that's what JJ Abrams is good at. He's good at drawing those strings out and saying, okay, this is something, this is something, this is something, and it's going to make money. And Disney says, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I don't know. So. 
it uh, I guess it's just the the pastiche the pastichiness of it um, hit me I guess a, a different way. You know, I wanted to see new stuff. I wanted to see new characters meeting the old characters and taking something from them and then moving it on to the next thing. You know, I well, wanted they took to see something. something. Ray took the best friend, the droid, and the ship. She took it from right. him. It's it's hers now. I know, but that's not what I mean. <laughs> you know, I wanted them to in a, in a in a meta way to tell new stories not the old stories in a different way to tell new stories and that with the with the with the expanded universe the the coolest stories that i remember the ones that like made my my little star wars brain pop back when i was younger were the ones that told the new stories you know, and it told them and, and it might have used, okay, yes, yeah, super weapons was always the type of thing where there was always another super weapon, but they were different. It wasn't Death Star, Death Star 2, Death Planet, <laughs> you know, Starkiller Base. It was, you know, a, a something new. I mean, the the uh, Planet Devastators from the, the Dark Empire series, you know, they, it was cool and interesting to, to think about it they were eating the planets you know that land things on the planet and they eat the planet to get the energy that they need to do the other stuff that they want to do and you know uh, other ships and stuff are flying out of it because it's this huge machine that's eating the planet getting the raw material and making the things in them to to create the the weapons that it needs to fight you know things like that i was like wow that's a cool concept you know but, i mean but Steve, this is this is really just the hook movie. I mean, they did it they did it for nostalgia purposes, honestly, and to reboot the franchise and to get everybody ready and to bring together the two generations who have been Star Wars fans, the the original trilogy and then the the new the people who grew up with the prequel trilogy and now their kids. So you have three you know almost three generations of people and this movie is just designed to it is designed to be the Star Wars greatest hits album while setting up for the new story. And it's also, because it's a Greatest Hits album, it's designed to pull you in. It's designed to pull in, you know, the Greatest Hits album is not for the Deep Cuts fan. You know, I, I, there's a few bands that I'm a, a fan of. You 2 is one, all right? I'm not buying the Greatest Hits album. You know why? I already have all those tracks on yeah. those other albums that I have. Now, Five different then, times because you have them on different, you know, yeah, different re takes yeah. and stuff like that. But you that. know what I am buying? I am buying the deluxe Greatest Hits album because of the second disc with mm -hmm. those deep cuts, you know. And and so this is they they have made this movie to try to appeal to me, uh, you know, a forty one year old fan who went and saw the movies when he was three or four years old in the theater and, and when it first came out, and to Evan who would have gone and seen prequels in the theater. Yep. And to my son, Tim, who hasn't had a chance. I mean, he wasn't, he was a baby. Maybe I'm trying to remember when the prequels came out, but uh, you know, he watched them all because they were the kind of thing that he's interested in. You know, they, they are, it's, it's three generations. It's, it's the, the new fans who didn't see anything in theaters. It's the prequel fans and it's the original series fans. And I think that they do a good job. They've pulled this back in. They've said, we can do this. We can make something you're going to like. And then this is where we say, okay, you've done it. It's not bad. 
we like the tone. We like the characters. We had some feelings about, you know, people dying. Uh, you've given us a strong female protagonist who actually does stuff and doesn't <laughs> just in the last act of the movie sit back in the, you know, with, with all the other officers and, and fret and bite her nails, <laughs> uh, which is what we get in the first Star Wars movie. In Return of the Jedi, she has more acted, uh, more action in the in the climax, you know, than she does in the, in the others. Um, I guess, well, Empire Strikes Back, she's driving a lot of the, the action that's, that's not happening with Luke, Mm -hmm. but. Not to mention, Princess Leia is one or the, one of three female characters in the entire original trilogy. Uh, well, what do you mean though? Well, it's nice that we have a, we have a female protagonist and we have a lot of female, uh, uh, characters in this new movie are just mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and I'm show. I'm excited Sorry. to take my daughters to see this one because Ray is a character that I could say, yeah, you know what? Um, look at her. You know she she's active. She has a moral drive. I'm not sure where it's going to take her, but this is a this is a fictional character that I don't mind my daughters looking at and saying, oh yeah, she's cool and. And in fact, I, I would hope that they are going to look at her and say, oh, yeah, she's cool because she's cool. Yeah. I, I like I've, got a, I've got a friend at work who was uh, looking at her in a little bit different sort of way. He came back from the movie and he said, I've just seen the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. And he says he's packing up all the stuff to move to England to meet her on the off chance and start their lives together. Is he talking about what Maz? Is that what he's He's, he's talking. No, I don't. I don't think so. I think oh. he's talking about Ray. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I like that. I like Maz though. She was a cool character. I liked her design, and I, I liked what she did. I felt like there was more. I wanted to see more. I should say. I wanted to see more with her. I'm sure we will. Yeah. What about Captain Phasma? Oh yeah. Yeah. <sighs> we almost forgot about her because she did. Almost absolutely nothing except that's because she's that's because she's the new Boba Fett. Yeah, but she's she's the new loser <laughs> Fett. She didn't do anything. Well, Boba Fett, Boba Fett. Boba Fett would be the old loser Fett. So yeah, yeah. The only Fett who did anything was Jango Fett, unless you watched the uh, Clone Wars. And even Jango Fett. Mm. Yeah, hey, he got yeah. to fly one time and shoot some stuff, and he then got his head say. cut off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he also cloned an entire army. But, but yeah. I mean, all the all the pre prequel, I mean, not prequel, but pre movie stuff about Captain Phasma. And that's what we get a a uh, trash compactor joke. But but Steve, this is one of those things you have to say, OK, are they saving something? Are they going to do more with her in the in the in the sequel? Uh, because I you you have to look at this as this is set up for a trilogy and that, and that's different. That's different than what we had. Even the prequel trilogy, episode one is its own thing. And then in episode two and three, you kind of get into where the trilogy is going. And the same thing with the original trilogy. Episode one is its own thing. And then in episode two and three, we kind of get where we're going with the revelation that Darth Vader is Luke's father. And then Luke, you know, acting out on that information. And so the first two, the first movies of both of those trilogies 
are just kind of a one-off. You could you could watch episode two and never watch episode one. It yeah, doesn't well, that's matter. what we did with our kids. It, well, it it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of the trilogy's through line. Right. But then with this, you can't. They are setting up things. They are giving you characters that I think they're going to be paying off. They may not. Uh, F- Captain Phasma may not. And if they don't ever go back to Captain Phasma, then that's a misstep. But right now, I, I can't call it a misstep. I have to say this is them setting up a character that we're going to see more of. And yeah, I, I just there's there's certain things like that that I've seen people complain about that I'm just like, well, they're setting it up. They're setting up a sequel. Uh, they're definitely doing a trilogy. They're going to make these movies until it stops making money. And that's going to be a couple years, I think. Yeah. Yeah. All okay. right. Anything else? I wanted to talk a little bit about some themes. You know, what is this movie trying to say um, other than, hey, remember the, the time that you liked the ice planet? <laughs> Guess what? Um, and I th- there was some cool friendship stuff going on. I liked the friendship that Finn and Ray were developing. Um, yeah, and I liked how fast they developed that, too. I mean, there wasn't a lot of mis... Like, it wasn't a superhero meetup. There wasn't a big misunderstanding first. I mean, there was a oh, there was. No, there was. <laughs> But they got over pretty quick, you know? And then as soon as they finished Find the Millennium Falcon, they're like, oh, hey, you're awesome. Oh, you're awesome, too. Hey, we're both awesome. <laughs> and we survived this thing. We survived this thing together. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so there's there's that. And then there's some things they're trying to say about family, but I don't quite know what it is yet until we really know more about the family <laughs> dynamics. Yeah. But, you know, the, the idea that Kylo Ren was kind of being basically shipped off to boarding school uh but it's jedi school with his uncle yeah and then you know what is that what is that all about you know why are are han and leia not an active part of his his development his 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 growing up and there's some interesting inter uh, interesting potential there and as leia is going to have to 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 on her own uh, deal with the fallout from that decision. But yeah. So I, if you can't tell, because maybe you can't from the way I'm talking, I really, really like this movie. It's not perfect though. And it's not the greatest. Really? Yeah. Huh. It's, it's not, but I will watch it again. I will, I will be buying it. It's, it's, so will I. it's enjoyable. Yeah, I've already seen it twice. I'm I'm going to see it a third time with my family. And I'm going to take my my daughters to see it. I probably will take my son when I take them so he can see it a second time and Yeah, and and I do feel like there's lots to talk about. Um but man, there's so many there's so many just negative Nellies who are just being mean about it. I don't I don't try to be mean. No, I'm not I'm not talking about you. But, um, I mean, I am, but I'm not, but, um, <laughs> no, I mean, there, there, I mean, there's people out there who are just being really, and it's on both sides. Again, you got the people who really, really liked it, who are just so dismissive of the people who have problems with it. And then you have the people who have problems with it and who are just trying to bring down the people who had fun with it. I, I really do feel like that's what they're trying to do is to say, you know what? I didn't like it and I am going to try and ruin all of your enjoyment too. And that's just, this is an enjoyable movie. I think all things considered at, 
my my final review is it's an enjoyable movie. That that's that's where I go with it. I I really enjoyed it. I smiled at a lot of parts. I um I got sad when Han Solo died and it just it was a it was a good movie, but then when I realized they're doing an attack with X-wings on this death planet. Oh, why? You know, <laughs> that was my point. I was like, I was going with all the, the rehashing stuff. I'm like, okay, this is okay. But as soon as I saw the trench, I was like, all right. And it wasn't too just, far. Yeah. Cause they, at first they're like, we're going to make it a little different though. They're bombing something. They actually have to break through. They're not just getting this open wound that they're trying to, you know, the weak spot. They have to punch their way through it. They have to get through it. And and then, oh, and and Han Solo and Chewbacca, they're going to help them get through it by blowing up the shield generator. I mean, by blowing up the, <laughs> the side of the building. And then, no, it's a trench run. They're actually yep. flying through a yep. trench. Oh. And they've got the stormtroopers on the sides of those little spinny turrets as if they were expecting this to happen because they've read their history books. And apparently oh. history books aren't made very well because people thought that Luke Skywalker was a legend. And oh, you know what? You want to talk about that for a minute? Think about yeah, the timing it, it, of this. 20 years later, right? I think it was 30. No, it is 30. It is 30 because it's real time. And the movie came out. Jedi came out in what, 83, 84, 83, 83, 83 I think. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we're 30 years out, 30 years out from Luke Skywalker. Yeah. If he did all that, that he did and no one really knew about it other than the rebellion, especially if the empire was still having some power, I guess I could go along with that. I'm more worried about Han Solo and his memory. Yeah. Right? Because how old is Han Solo? I don't know, but people were confused whether like his reputation as a smuggler outlasted his reputation as a rebellion hero. No, yeah. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about original trilogy. All right. Luke Skywalker is born right when the Jedi are destroyed. 20 years later, 18 years later, 17 years later, he blows up the Death Star. And he talks to a man who is seven or eight years older than him, who doesn't believe the Force or the Jedi are even a thing. Mm -hmm. He was seven years old, and the Jedi would have been the primary police force of the galaxy. Obviously, he that was wasn't real. <laughs> now, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> wow. Hold on there, pal. I'm spitting words. I'm all for homeschooling. I'm probably going to homeschool my kids. I just thought it was a good joke. Yeah, Stick in there. No, but know. I mean, that that's one of those things. If you start thinking about things too much, and that's what a lot of the criticism of J.J. Abrams with Star Trek movies, go along for the ride, but don't think. And that's a similar a similar condemnation has been brought down on, on star Wars in general, not just this movie, but you know, if you start thinking about things a little too much, you, you, you get to points where you're not going to be able to enjoy it. Like my problem with the death star, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the death star, you know, they go to hyperspace, so they're going faster than light and they get to the Yavin base. And then the death star just kind of slowly creeps up on them. Like, <laughs> 
like a serial killer from a horror movie. Well, know? I think with with the with the Death Star, it is so big that you don't notice how fast it can actually go. I think it is light speed capable. Well, that's just it. That thing is light speed capable. That that can make the jump to hyperspace. Yes. Ridiculous. <laughs> you know, I and and you're right, Steve, as far as the expanded universe goes, they explained it that it has like 16 hyperspace uh engines in it or whatever, but um that that that's even explaining it is ridiculous to me. And, but if you think about it as, you know, it's about tone, it's about um mood, it's about, you know, trying to get you to feel tense. Um yeah, it's it's Michael Myers walking slowly and deliberately and somehow able to catch up to the heroine who is running away just because it's it's tone, it's it's fear, it's and so the Death Star makes the jump to light speed. <sighs> That's ridiculous to me. But the fact that it's there and it's gonna blow up Yavin base, I don't care. You know, I'm I'm still like, oh man, they gotta do this. Now, young me is is like that. Older me is just yeah. kind of. I've seen this eighteen thousand times, so yeah, I know what's gonna happen. And you know what? If they had just come in at a slightly different trajectory, I mean, slightly, I mean, like a quarter of an angle, a quarter of a degree different, the moon wouldn't the 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 uh, planet wouldn't have been in the way of the moon. <laughs> yes, just come out of hyperspace <laughs> next to the moon. Yeah, and then there's exactly. not this twelve minute countdown. So 15 I, minutes. Oh, you know what? We're just going to jump again. <laughs> yeah, we're good now. <laughs> and I, I do, I, I do advocate a little bit of just, you know, go with the ride, go with the ride. There's nothing exactly. wrong with that sometimes. Um, and I know there are people who are like, no, you can never do that. There must be absolute logic or there must be absolute perfect, you know, allegory or, or whatever. But those people don't watch Miyazaki films. <laughs> so you know there there are some things you just you go with it and let it take you where it's going to take you and then you know you, you need to deal with where it takes you and you need to say is this go- taking me to a place that i really should be or not um as, as far as you know where my my mind is going and the, the morality of of what's happening but you know sometimes it's just a ride it's a thrill and I, I did. I, I was thrilled by The Force Awakens. As was I. Were I, you, Steve? Was there any thrill at all for you? Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything that was just incredible to me. I, you know what? I, when, when Kylo Ren initially froze the blaster shot in air, I was like, okay, this guy, you don't want to be anywhere near this guy. And then later on in the movie, when people were very near him and were pretty much okay, except for one guy, um, it just it sort of lost the appeal. So like things like that would continually happen. I'd be like, oh, that's cool. And then later on, I'm like, oh, not so cool. You know? well, and, and, then, and the blaster thing, in my mind, I'm trying to figure out, okay, so what is the deal with this guy? And where my mind went, I feel like, okay, maybe I'm making excuses for the movie, though. Because I'm thinking, you? okay, is this no. <laughs> is this the kind of thing where he is trained in very specific uh, abilities of the force. So he's able to stop energy, but he's not able to, uh, uh, he is able to stop um, people from moving, 
But I mean, is, is it these very specific force attacks or force defenses that he knows, um, which kind of takes me to role-playing days, you know, where you create your character and you yeah. can have this super powerful move if it's your only move. Or you yeah. can have like every move, but it's level it's just one. Level one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so he's yeah. like, you know, he's like 3d6 when he does, you know, stop an energy bolt, but he's 1d6 minus five on everything else. <laughs> so. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, Ooh. it's enjoyable. It's enjoyable. Uh, let's get final words from both of you guys about this movie and then. Okay. Can we do uh, rated top uh, one to seven? Ooh, are you willing to do that, Evan? We've kind of talked about that in the last episode. But... Yeah, we did, and I, I'm going to stick with my rating, and I'll, I'll be happy to reiterate. All right, go ahead. All right, in my ranking of all seven movies, this one goes at number three. What what beats it? What beats it is in the number two slot is Return of the Jedi, and in the number one slot is Empire Strikes Back. Wow. Okay. Ben? See, I don't know. I mean, clearly for me, I have gained an appreciation of the prequel trilogy that I didn't have before, but it's still none of the prequel movies are better than any of the original trilogy movies in my my ranking. And so the question is, I know it's above the prequel trilogies movies. This is this is a movie I would much rather put in than any of the prequel trilogy movies. Is it better than any of the original trilogy movies in my enjoyment? And, and that's where almost, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if I would put this at number four or number three. And that's because okay. I don't know what number one and number two are right now. <laughs> so wow. I, I think, you know, Empire is still up there. This one is more fun than Empire. Yeah. But it's better made, I think, than um, A New Hope. And Well, almost anything is. <laughs> well, you know, it, but there's a nostalgia and then there's also the technical aspect of things. And so that's yeah. why I, I yeah. Well, but you then know Return of the Jedi about... is the one that if I'm going to just put in a, a Star Wars movie just for fun, it's probably going to be Return of the Jedi. In fact, the day before we went and saw uh, Force Awakens, we watched the from from the Dagobah scene on of return of the Jedi, just because you know what, it's going to set us up, but it's also fun. And, and my whole family could enjoy, you know, the Endor stuff. And, mm -hmm. and I love, yeah, I think Jedi is probably going to go up in number one. Empire is going to be number two. Force awakens is number three. Well, what I did like about this one was, um, how he relied so much on, uh, sets and yes. not special effects. You know, yes. I did appreciate that. So you got much more of that feel of the first trilogy than the second trilogy. Um, so I did appreciate that. I think it, it did hurt it a little bit because, you know, then you don't have the sprawling cityscapes and, you know, seeing, you know, traffic in the air and things like that. Cool stuff that, that was, was put in, in, in the, uh, the, uh, one, two, three, the second trilogy. Um, but, you know, it's a trade-off. So it's more, it, it feels more real. So there's yeah. that to it. And I think with the technology we have today, we can marry the two. And I'm okay with them not having the sprawling cityscapes in this one. I just want to see them in the future so we can tie it all together, all nine movies. We don't just want to tie it in with the, the original trilogy. 
I want it all tied together. Okay. <laughs> I would say I would I would put this uh, fourth for me. Um, the uh, Empire Strikes Back and Star Wars. Um, you know, one and two. I guess it's, it's Star Wars and A New Hope is. It's just the the nostalgic first one that I saw. It's you know that whole thing. So I guess that would be number one. Empire Strikes Back two, and then um, uh, Attack of the Clones. I felt was uh, more enjoyable a watch than this one was. All right. Well, I think that this then is our. The, the finish of our Star Wars trilogy as we've taken the journey to The Force Awakens ourselves. We did the uh, family review with my kids about the uh, prequel trilogy and then we did our, our road trip review and and now this episode. So I think we're going to take a break from Star Wars for a little bit. Um, at least well, who knows what's going to happen. We don't even know what's going to happen next. I don't know. This is our last episode before 2016. I think so if this comes out before 2016, Happy New Year. If you're listening to this in 2017, still Happy New Year to you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, from, from here, uh, I'm not sure where we're going. Uh, we're we're going to take some time and, and think of some ideas and um, yeah, plot a new course with a new navigator at our side. Yep. So Evan, it's like you are, you are uh, Ray. Ray. And Dr. Jace was Han Solo. No, that's not good. Han Solo, but he can come back as a force ghost. We'll give him that. He's chewy. Anytime. He's chewy. No, I'll I think, be chewy. Oh, you know, here's one thing. <laughs> they kill off Han Solo. They didn't kill off Chewie. You know no. why? Because Chewie, as an actor, it doesn't matter what he looks like because of all of the, you know, the mask and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Right. And, they can replace him if they can find another seven foot guy. Yeah, yeah, which seven foot guys are a dime a dozen. Yeah, NBA <laughs> at the seven foot guy convention. NBA, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar will do it. How old is he? Sixty something like that. He's got to be at he least as old it. as Peter Mayhew. I know exactly. But anyway, I mean that—that's another reason why you, you, know, you can keep those guys who, well, Yoda, you know. <laughs> yeah. And the yeah. the coolest thing when I think then of how they used. Uh, uh, Ian McDormand, or how do you say his name? Ian for, McGregor. No, no, Ian, no, Ian, Ian McDormand for the Emperor. Yeah. You know, they in Return of the Jedi, they put all that makeup on him to make him look just disgustingly old. Yeah. And then twenty years later, they put him in as himself, you know, with no makeup at all, and yeah. he's just you know as old as he actually is. And I, I I was telling my son that, and it took a moment for it to register. Oh. Yeah, so he's playing a younger version of himself as an older man, but they don't need any makeup for him. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Can I say one more thing before we sign off here? Yeah. The coolest thing, well, maybe not the coolest, but one of the, the cool <laughs> things I learned after the fact about this movie was that they had a bunch of cameos that I didn't realize, and one of them was Daniel Craig had a cameo. Did you guys hear about this? Nope. Yeah. Yep. He is the stormtrooper who got mind tricked. And it's his voice coming through the stormtrooper helmet. And he's in the costume and everything. And apparently, I don't I haven't confirmed this, but apparently his stormtrooper number is JB007. Nice. 
So I liked that. I thought that was kind of cool. All right. That'll be your, your last word. Steve, you have a last word or did you already give one? Live long and prosper. Wait, no, that's a different thing, right? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, man. I'm just <laughs> thinking about crawl. Crawl. <laughs> and flash. Ah, he'll yeah. save every one of us. Oh, boy. I'm excited. I am, too. 2016, the year of bad movies for Evan. <laughs> I'll say this as as, as us, us three together as our first actual episode. Here we are, born to be kings. We're the princes of the universe. Ooh, you didn't sing it though. Well, I thought all of us could sing it together. Do you know three, that song? Two, one. Here we are, born, born to, to be kings. Be kings. We're, the, We're princes the princes of, of the universe. Evan. Evan. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> At all, what you guys are singing—it's another one to put on the list, man. I don't know. That's a—that's uh, got the R for some reasons. I think I'm trying to right. remember what those reasons are. I've got a clear play DVD player. I can filter out oh, that's whatever. True, that's true. Uh, good, good for you, man. All right, my last word—I think you figured it out—is going to be simply thanks for listening, and Godspeed. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast, hosted by Ben Avery, Steve MacDonald, and Dr. Jace O'Neill. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. Please join in the conversation by visiting our website, strangersandaliens.com, where you will find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com, or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangers. Or you can leave us a voicemail on the Strangers and Aliens hotline. Just call 1-804-37-ALIEN and leave your message. And once again, thanks for listening.